Hello, and welcome to the Euro What from WhatElseIsOn.tv. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by my fellow WEIO Eurovision News and Entertainment Research Division specialists, Brian Brazell and Ben Smith. Howdy, folks. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Fantastic. I got a ridiculous tattoo. I was about to say, Ryan, you got a tattoo. You got a a Eurovision tattoo. You got something permanently inked on your body for this show. Not Well, not our show, but like... (laughs) Not just a Eurovision tattoo. It is a full upper arm tattoo inspired by Love, Love, Peace, Peace, the amazing tribute to Eurovision slash making fun of Eurovision. I basically went to a local tattoo artist that a friend of mine recommended and said, so I want to do a Eurovision tattoo. And she said, a Euro what tattoo? And I said, yes, that's right. You see what I did there? And so I gave her like five or 10 different images from um, entries I have loved in the past and said, do something with this. And she put it all together and it looks great. Right. And looking at the photo, so just things I'm catching are Twerpy Hamster Date, which is like the, the joke we made about Belarus like two or three years ago at this point. There's a circle piano. I mean, there is a love, love, peace, peace. And like the hat from like the Moldovan entry. So like, what else am I missing here? Well, it's not just the hat. It's the whole unicycle fairy from well, Moldova 2011. Was that, I think? So lucky. Zidob, yeah, Zidob. so lucky. Yep. yep. Uh, what are you missing? Oh, so right now it's not fully colored in. So you can't see like the feathers. There's some feathers that are going to be Ireland from Dustin to Turkey. Oh, there's the star at the top from Verka Serduchka. On top of the star are some Jedward shoulder pads. There's fire on the signs because it's not Eurovision, if there's not pyrotechnics. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, an astronaut helmet from Montenegro and a Swedish flag. So there's lots of stuff. There's all the little things. I'm going to, once it's all done and all colored in, which will be a couple months from now, I will, I'm going to put a playlist together with all the references so people can watch. Very nice. So I'm very excited. It's, I, as I said before, I am, um, have done a lot of ridiculous things in my life, but this has to be. I don't even know where to begin with like the level of dedication that this must have taken. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other tattoos or is this your first tattoo? No, I do have two other tattoos. I did not. I I went big, but I didn't go big on my first time. So um, yeah, I have two smaller ones. I definitely do not have anything else on this scale. So this was a, a sort of a leap of faith, but you know, go big or go home. And are you planning on adding to it as more pieces become part of Eurovision lore? I know I have other limbs. I have a whole nother arm and two legs <laughs> and a back and a chest, right? So <laughs> I'll I'll expand almost certainly, but not this one is like fully here. formed. <laughs> yeah. So when the Love Love Peace Peace twenty twenty five remix comes out, you'll be able to work with that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Exactly. Once we have a whole new bumper crop of Eurovision tropes that need ink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So how are you guys doing? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, no no complaints here. Uh, certainly, like, nothing on the scale of what you are getting done. Like, yeah. I'm still just so amazed by that. We'll have a, a picture of the full tattoo on our Instagram page just to show the dedication and see how many of the references uh, can be spotted right. uh, in there. Because, yeah, it's the way they're woven in is amazing. So Right. The, my artist did a great job. Mm-hmm. Later in the episode, we're going to talk about how everybody did a bad job this weekend. But first, we should talk about the fact that we had semifinal allocation today. Yes. Oh, it's 
it's like Christmas for Eurovision season for me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how excited you get for the semifinal allocation, but I'm pretty sure I have seen everyone since 2011, and that requ- that requires waking up early. <laughs> that's, on that's a, a level of dedication that I am not willing to subject myself to. Yeah, and like sometimes it's just accidental, where it's just like, oh, well, I'm up anyway. Like that's what happened today. I was getting up to go to the gym. This is not a humble brag. It's just what happened. And uh, yeah, the semifinal allocation started. I'm in Chicago. It started 6 a.m. local time here. So yeah, just seeing what is going on in Portugal with how they are assigning uh, who performs in which semifinal. Right, and just to back up, like we should explain, there are two semifinals. These are, these are used to determine 20 of the 26 entries that will be in the final competition. There are, I think, 43 countries participating this year, and yep. you need to whittle that down to 26 of them. And the way they've done various ways of figuring out who gets in and who's not in, but for like at least the past 10 years that I've been watching, there have been two semifinals that determine 20 of the acts that are not the big five. Right. The way that they they try to make this process as random as possible to ensure that certain countries aren't always there with their besties. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, but like countries like Greece and Cyprus, who are very friendly towards one another in the contest, like always giving each other 12 points, that sort of thing. Uh, they they try to randomize the process to make sure that they're not always in the same semifinal. Spoiler, they're in the same semifinal this year. <laughs> <laughs> and similarly, like you don't want to have all of your Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Iceland in the same semifinal because they're going to give each other lots of points. And it's going to mean that lo- other nations aren't necessarily going to get those points. And you want to randomize that so that every entry theoretically has the best chance of getting in. Does this work? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but we try. Well, we don't try. The, 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 the ESC tries. Yeah, and they've also revamped the process a little bit in the last couple of years. It used to be not only would you get the allocation of which semifinal you're being placed in, but also allocating what place in the running order. So if there's 18 countries competing, they could uh, be assigned, okay, you're in the first semifinal, and random draw, you will be performing at slot 15. And they would sometimes run into the problem of having five power ballads. <laughs> you had the bad luck of being ballad number four. Yeah, which is like really boring for the viewer, where it's just like, oh, I can't really tell any of these songs apart. And then it's also not great from a competitive standpoint, because there's nothing to really differentiate in the field. I think it was three years ago where they started doing, okay, we'll just assign people to either the first half or second half of each semifinal and then the producers will determine the running order from that just to kind of create more of a flow of show and probably to make it easier for stagehands if they're uh, complicated. Yeah, that way you don't, they don't have to like wheel off the giant hamster wheel and move in like three different like blocks in the span of like 30 seconds. And to think that they used to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I assume they would still be able to do that, but uh, I'm sure it was a major, major headache uh, for the stagehands. Yeah. And, well, I think Oof. this is also important as the contest gets bigger, right? You really have about the same amount of airtime, regardless of how many countries you have, right? I mean, in the grand final, it's less of an issue because you have 26 kind of regardless, right? But, you know, if as the, num- as the number of countries expands, they may want to expand from 26. And so just doing anything you can to have a good flow to the show is really important. Um, and, and I just, I just um, was looking this up because I was wondering when they started doing semifinals. And it was only 2008, so this is year 11 or whatever, the semifinals. For me, it, it seems like they've always done it this way because 
I only started watching in 2007, and I only watched the final that year. I, and so I've always seen semifinals. So it's just interesting to go back and go, oh, this has only been the last 10 years that they've done that. The previous 52 years of the contest, they had either no semifinal or they had like a few years they had a point base that you like the average number of points over the last X like, number of years or something. Yeah, like, yeah, they did some way where if you had performed in a certain range in the last 10 years or so, you were in. So there were years where you just didn't get to compete because, like, the, the, you had dealt yourself a bad hand in previous performances. Right. Which I think, I think that the, uh, semifinal seems a little bit more fair. It means that everybody gets to perform every year if they, if they want to. Well, everybody asterisk. <laughs> yeah, everybody asterisk. And, and we'll get to that asterisk because the, the fun part about having these blocks like this is that sometimes nations are friends and sometimes nations are, are, major enemies and don't really want to talk to one another, much less be in the same semifinal. And sometimes, thanks to the random nature of this, they end up in the same semifinal and then stuff happens. Yep. I guess we can go into how the semifinals shook up. Uh, so in the first semifinal, there are 19 countries that are going to compete. Uh, there are 37 countries total that will be competing in the semifinals. And yeah, the way it shook out this year was really interesting in terms of uh, how countries that have been traditionally powerhouses in the com uh, competition are mostly in the second semifinal. And so a lot of underdogs and, and countries that have been struggling the last few years to advance from the semifinals are, all got kind of pushed to the first one. I'm just looking over the field right now, and it's like a bunch of the smaller nations that usually... I mean, there's there's like one or two powerhouses in there that you kind of know are going to probably make it to the final, assuming they don't completely step on their own feet, like Azerbaijan. But you have a lot of the smaller nations as well, like former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, where you see them once, and then they don't make it to the final. And, you, you know, this year they are in a semifinal that seems a little bit more favorable to them. We have Ireland in that first semifinal, which... I, you know, we, we were talking about this before, but I miss Jedward just so much. Like Ireland hasn't, I feel like they haven't had a good entry since 2000, what was it? 11, 12 that Jedward was there in back to back years. I want to say 11, 12. Yeah. And they just have been nowhere since then. Just come on, Ireland. Come I mean, on. I, I would hesitate to say that they weren't necessarily good entries, but they were great television. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, that, again, that was, you know, Jedward was one of the, like, entries that really hit right that, that perfect spot of, like, spectacle. It's not a good song, but, like, this makes for a really entertaining time. I, I, I kind of like their songs, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's I think the, they also did a really good job of using the stage and like the video screens uh, in their performances. And yeah, it seems like Ireland's been kind of going into more subdued performance like last year where it was just a hot air balloon on stage and it... i had for I, I had completely forgotten their entry from last year although i although now like all that's flooding back to me is me making very impassioned posts on the blog that no 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 this would be fine if they had a singer who could sing us about an octave lower which is not no. really the best of of justifications for the song <laughs> The first afternoon that I was in Kiev uh, last year um, for the contest, there there was one of the sort of Eurovision gathering uh, tourist locations. And yeah, Brendan Murray, who was Ireland's representative, was there uh, kind of wandering around. And there were like all these fangirls that were kind of swarming him. And I was just like, oh, it's him. 
do you want to go walk up to him? No, not really. I, I, I don't have anything to say other than, oh, well, good luck on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, bless. <laughs> bless his heart. Semi-1 is going to be interesting just, again, because we have a lot of the smaller nations that can otherwise be dealt kind of a crappy hand suddenly having another chance that they might not have. And what that means for semifinal two is that that one's going to be a nail-biter. Or at least seems like it could be a nail-biter, given that it's very early in the selection season and we have no clue what's actually going to get picked. Yeah, just kind of looking over the list right now, we only know a handful of the participants, but none of the songs that have been selected have shown up in right. that mix. I mean, two uh, two of the four songs that have been selected so far are big five entries, so mm-hmm. they're not even in the semifinals, but then the other two are in semifinal number one. Yeah, and, and like looking over semifinal two, a lot of their selection processes aren't going to be even starting until next month in February, which admittedly is only a few days away, but they're not going to be ending until late February or even this like mid-March, like with Sweden, who does sort of like a whole six-week thing. And we've got, I mean, the, the sad part is that like the, a lot of the small nations got into semifinal one, but you have poor San Marino and Montenegro who got the bad hand of semifinal two and are just going to have to really send a great entry. I also wonder about sort of middling countries like Hungary and Latvia, right? Who like sometimes will have a really good year, but a lot of times are just kind of on that edge. On that cusp, yeah. I'm feeling confident about Hungary. I've been watching uh, their selection process this year. They've got a lot of really good songs. Oh, that's great. I don't know. I'm also biased. I just really love their process. That's awesome. I would love to see Moldova sort of keep up the momentum they had last year where they came in third, which is their best placement ever, and hopefully we'll keep along sort of that more upbeat side of things just because when they when they go upbeat they tend to do well and when they do ballads it doesn't really shake out i'm always a little bit concerned about smaller countries that don't have the budget for this kind of thing mm-hmm. whether it, if they do really well one year whether the next year they're like that was really close we need to not do that well again right like i sort of wonder whether they're like ooh, we came a little too close to the sun we need to back off a little bit so i'll be very interested to see who they actually send and what they how they end up yeah. I think they're being a little bit more strategic this year. Uh, originally, their plan was to have a semifinal with 32 songs that were going to get whittled down uh, through an audition process and then move on uh, to a semifinal and then have like a grand final. But then after the audition process, they ended up whittling the field down to 16, and they're just like, oh, well, we'll just skip the semifinal and go right into the final, which I think is an indication that they're being more selective instead of being like, oh, everybody gets a chance to try this out. It's like, oh, no, like we have some quality standards now that you need to meet, and yeah, then we'll throw it to the public. Good for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I think that that I mean, just from like a high level, that seems to cover sort of how the field's shaken out. Are we going to have any sort of breakdown of this on the website, Mike? Yeah, we'll have a photo of how the allocation split up so that you can see which countries are in which half of which semifinal. And the actual running order should be coming out sometime at the end of March. And uh, we'll have that updated as well. Um, and if you go to the main contest page for 2018, uh, we'll have that. Uh, the countries split out uh, based on how they were allocated. Other updates. We've got some song selections. Yay. We have, we finally have stuff to talk about for this song contest, everybody. So, so yeah, over the weekend, France had their final for their destination Eurovision uh, selection process. 
Brian, you seem to have some opinions about uh, how <laughs> how things shook out. Do you want to kind of give a rundown of like what happened during the final? Sure. Yeah, France. Come on. Get okay. Okay. I have to say first of all, I'm really happy that France actually did a televised election process because they've done internal selections recently, and I thought it was kind of hilarious that they brought out Yun Ulasand, who is he's sort of the head of the um, Eurovision Song Contest. He he like runs the whole process, and he came out and was like, "Thank you for having a public televised selection process. Please keep doing this." It was basically his way of saying France. Can you please actually vet your songs before you send them? So I, I really appreciate that they did this process. That said. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop on this one. Yes. No. Like, <laughs> come on, Fran. Okay. There were, I think, three songs that I either wanted to see go or would have loved, to, like, legitimately wanted to see them go or wanted to see them go because it was weird and creepy and would have been like one of those sort of off the beat Eurovision entries. France didn't pick any of those. They picked a song called Mercy. song about refugees and it's specifically a song about a, a particular refugee child that they met and sort of learned about their this child's story crossing the Mediterranean that's a, a big thing that's happening right now right a lot a lot of refugees are trying to cross the Mediterranean to get into Europe and are dying along the way it's a really sad situation it's I and I am not the kind of person that wants to say we don't we shouldn't have political songs at Eurovision I think we should have more political songs at Eurovision Eurovision is not a political contest. I know, but I love it. Drink. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And look, I was all on board for Jamala's song two years ago, 1944. It was a very, only the thinnest veneer of not being political, right? She didn't mention Russia by name. She didn't say who the bad men with the guns were, right? But the difference between like that song that Jamala sung, sang two years ago, and and this song, by Madame Monsieur, is that Jamala was singing from personal, she was singing about her personal family and what happened to her family, right? This mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. is some white people in turtlenecks singing about refugees and how tragic they are. <laughs> and I just, I just cannot get past that with this song. Like, it might be a good song, I don't know, I can't even hear it in my head right now because I'm just so mad about, like, if you, I think it's important to bring light to this topic. Mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other better ways to do it right, right. And, and you could use actual refugee voices instead of just two very nice like french and norwegian people yes exactly so the press that it's getting about oh it's a feel-good song it's like we all want to feel good about refugees without actually having to do anything to help refugees right so it just feels a little bit gross in that way it's 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 the retweet of of songs it's yes exactly <laughs> exactly so, uh, but yeah, wow. yeah I, 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 was, I was sitting there. <laughs> that is, that is was, so apt. I'm like, <laughs> it, it, it's the Twitter retweet of, of songs instead of going out and actually doing something. 
Yes. We wrote a song about it. Great. You're white. Do more. Yes. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, like I, I, I joined the middle of the France process while the two of you had, were like deep in it. So I joined at the midway after getting done watching Lithuania this weekend, which was an entirely different trip that I still not sure who, who got through and who didn't because they're just 30 something entries. So many numbers. There are yeah. so <laughs> many of them. There are so many of them. But with, I mean, that was the nice part about France is that it was like, these are our eight entries. But the the problem is like I joined you guys at like the like the two when you guys were like two hours in and like yeah there have been four entries that have played. And it's like what's going on? And as it turns out, they're they're doing like finals week at American Idol where you do a duet with your big hero between every song, which is lovely. And there was like a great version of Zombie by the Cranberries. But I was also just like, why, why, why is this here? That was the part that was most baffling to me. I mean, it was kind of a carryover from the semifinals because in the semifinals. Each performer would do like a 45 second ish uh, performance uh, of a cover of some song and then uh, go into the performance of their actual Eurovision entry. And it's like, okay, I think part of that is just to kind of get them used to being on stage because it seemed like there were some contestants who had never performed on stage before. I'm not kidding. They actually, one of the contestants actually got that as their critique. My, my main takeaways from France were like, A, just do your eight songs. B, it was very nice that they let Olivia Coleman judge. She's great in everything. <laughs> but but yeah, like I just like there were some good entries, but I would have enjoyed it more if it wasn't like a four hour long process. Yeah, it was drawn out. Like, I I don't understand why they carried over the two performances for well, especially because in so many of them, the like the the person who would be representing France at Eurovision was relegated to background singer. Right. Yeah, which was nuts and. Like in one of the performances, like the the star act was the Gypsy Kings, which is like, wow, that's random and yeah, probably not the best use of their time. I, I did like that France let one of the entries be Nell from the movie Nell. <laughs> and then he almost won. He came second in the public vote. I I was <laughs> flabbergasted by that. That was yeah, that that was like the fun part of the of the 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 French voting process was just every time every time that I think I have cracked Eurovision I have figured it out I know exactly how they're going to vote no I nope. am very wrong nope yeah so the way that the scoring process worked this time around is they had a ten person international jury that was assigning points to six of the eight songs so whichever song was the favorite got twelve points whichever one was sixth favorite got uh, two points and then there were two songs that got zero points from each juror. Uh, and then all of those points got tabulated, and uh, the winner of the jury vote was uh, Lisandro uh, Cooksey. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Lisandro, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, his song Ava.
I would not have been surprised if that had won. Oh yeah, like I was, I was totally prepared for it to win. It was like cool. It's like a, it's like an '80s version of that one City High song, especially because it's like a mansplainer for three minutes. But whatever, <laughs> this is, this has a good beat to it. I can go, I can go for it. The the French public said, "Now nah, we're good. We want we want these two people with guitars." Well, and yeah, yeah, and um, I was I would have been okay if if Lissandro had gone. He. It, he was not my favorite singer. My favorite was called OK O'Cal o- um, by Emmy Liana. And I'm actually real mad because it's available in the iTunes store in France and in Iceland, but not in the United States. So iTunes need to get need to get on that so I can go buy it. I think Emmy Liana had, definitely had the best visual presentation. I think mm-hmm. Lissandro mm-hmm. probably had the best musical presentation. Mercy had neither of those. So I just I'm just confused by what the French public were thinking. I mean, on the other hand, like, if I had to pick which entry looked the most French to me, uh, it actually probably would have been Emiliana, just because it felt very, it felt very artsy. But, like, as, like, a backup to that, I would have picked, is it Madame Monsieur or is it Monsieur Madame? Uh, Madame Monsieur. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's like, okay, cool. They're just, like, a couple berets away from being just, like, the, the nice stereotype. But, see, Ben, <laughs> you're only saying that because you missed the creepy wooden puppet guy. I, yeah. did, I, no. <laughs> did, I did come into that late, and I just heard that there was, like, a warhorse puppet. I was like, what? what? <laughs> it was a very small... Um, the performer's name was Egit, and it was called um, Lisboa, Jerusalem. So, Lisbon, mm-hmm. Jerusalem. And the, the they had three... So, at Eurovision, you can have six people on stage, right? That's not true of the national selection processes. You can do whatever you want. You have to translate it for the, for the Eurovision stage, right? But in, the, in his performance at the French uh, national final, it was him singing... And there were three people all animating this very small, like, knee-high wooden puppet with these very small hands. Like, the creepy part were the small hands that would occasionally rub Egeet's face. Like, <laughs> touch it. Like, it was, it was weird. I have a friend. Yeah, it was like Kristen Wiig in the, uh, yes. okay. the Lawrence Welk okay. sketches. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a friend yeah. who is, like, super creeped out by raccoons because of their tiny hands. And I, like, showed her this video and she was, like... Freaking out at the like tiny hands, right? <laughs> Darn it, France! Come on. Uh. Yeah, it was. It was. It was not good. It was not. Good. Why? <laughs> that, that's somehow even better than like three people doing a war horse puppet because at least then you could have them be the backup singers. Exactly. Um, yeah, maybe now would be a good time to mention that one of the other rules at Eurovision is you're not allowed to have animals on stage. So maybe (laughs) like creepy raccoon hands would not have been, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, So France, France did a bad job, real bad, (laughs) bad job, France, bad, bad job. Okay. So when last we spoke, uh, we had mentioned that the Czech Republic was doing something very interesting where it seemed like all of the songs were online. And there wasn't like a broadcast final; they were just on the internet it, with like with some lyric videos, and they were there was voting by the app. That's done now. Yay! Is Mikolas Josef? Boo! 
Boo. Why boo? <laughs> no, like, I actually like the song here. Like, there's, like, a nice, like, kind of horn riff thing going on that reminded me of Moldova's entry from last year that I really liked. And, like, in general, I kind of like the song. I need to not see his face while he performs it. He's so... But... Well, first of all, can we listen to a clip? Yes. Lie to me, oh baby, come a little closer Lie to me, lie to me, oh baby, lean upon my shoulder Lie to me, get down on my body, love me like it was always meant to be Now you love somebody new, I always knew, so come and give it to me Okay, so that clip, I really like the song, and I completely second you, Ben. I can't actually, he is so smarmy that I was watching the video for this, and I was like, I hate this song. And then I was like, wait, no, I think I just hate him. And I closed my eyes, and I was like, oh, this song is so much better. He's, I, I cannot, like, so much of Eurovision is the visual presentation, I can't mm-hmm. watch him. I don't think I've actually seen him perform. Like I've only like the only visual aspect I've seen has been the lyric video, which is just like lots of photos and text on the screen. So that that doesn't really tell me anything. But yeah, like the song, the the challenge with this song is it's kind of raunchy, and yeah, there's a lot of uh, f bombs and such. So okay. uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to hear how this gets edited to comply with like Eurovision rules and whether or not that's going to change the song in a cartoonish way. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want this to go full kids bop. Although if it did, that would be kind of hilarious. Now I do kind of want to hear that version. Like like Czech or something instead of English, they could just do what Despacito did at the Grammys last night and like, just have the, the song be the song. And then like the performance can illustrate how raunchy it is. Mm. Um, it, it, like that was that was like one of the legit good performances at the Grammys last night it was Despacito, and it was filthy. One of the things about this song and its raunchiness that I don't understand is I am not used to a camel being used as a stand-in for a penis. Usually, like a camel toe, right, is like tights that are too tight on a woman's uvula. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, <laughs> sorry, no, 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 no. Not the American audience knows what camel toe is. <laughs> American audience knows what camel toe is. They don't you know what Eurovision is. the things is. in the back of your throat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have we just lost um, Mike for tonight? Have we yeah, lost Mike? Mike is dead. Mike died, Mike died of dysentery. <laughs> Rest his soul. Okay, let me start that over again. Yeah. Um, oh, no, okay. Well, so, uh, is, is it bad that like I can immediately see how this translates? It's like, oh yeah, humps. I just don't understand. Like, camel, I am not used to hearing camel as a stand-in for penis. He talks about like, getting his camel ready to go or something. And I'm like, that is usually a stand-in for a vulva. That is not, you know, camel toe. That is not... So I am very confused by sort of, I guess, national cultural raunchiness, which is one of the reasons I think I like Eurovision, because I learn things about how other countries, like, talk about stuff, um, particularly raunchy I mean, on the things. other hand, maybe he's just going on a nomadic trek for your love. Maybe. I I mean, look, this is Eurovision. I really shouldn't be putting this much thought into it. I really... Uh, but yeah. Anyways, that is the Czech Republic's entry. It's filthy, and hopefully, you know, they'll probably, I mean, if nothing else, they can take the Swedish approach from last year and just change it to Frick. Yeah. Actually, no, not even Frick, mm. Freak. Yeah. And we'll just know in our hearts and, and in our Spotify's that the version with the F word is way better. I'm really curious to see what the final product of this one is, because, like, this is a really good pop song, and I, I, Czech Republic made a good choice. See, France. Czech- <laughs> 
<laughs> Why can't you be more like your brother, the Czech Republic? Actually, I have no clue if, those, if they would be brothers or whatever. We're in a whole different territory here. But Czech Republic did a good job this week. Okay, so let's talk about Spain. And can I just try to make a prediction here? Because, uh, well, A, like, they literally, like, just named who what their entry is, right? Like, 30 minutes ago, yeah. Okay. Which, it's like 2 yeah, in the morning Yeah, we're recording there. this on Monday night, and, We were recording yeah, this on Monday Spain. night. Spain was up until 2 in the morning. To watch some, mostly some not great songs, and a couple of okay ones. Okay. Ryan, it sounds like you you actually watched the process, <laughs> so uh, do, you want, do you want to give a rundown of what happened? Yeah, sure. So, um, they... It's interesting. Some I I don't know who described this as Big Brother plus Spanish Idol, but that's that's super accurate. They like basically like live together, and they show you a lot of the well. They don't necessarily live together, but they show you a lot of the sort of behind the scenes um, pieces over the course of several weeks to sort of get to this final stage. They like record people in rehearsals and stuff, so you can see like the you know behind the scenes of making the songs. And in this final round, what they did was they had eight entries there was like only five people and they were like singing a different combination so each person had their own their own individual song and then they also were singing a duet with someone else so everybody competed a couple different times but this was a complete completely a televote so people like called or texted in their vote um and i i appreciate what france could learn from spain although i don't i wouldn't say that spain's results turned out really any better i don't really like the song all that all that well but um they had sort of a two-part final where they voted on all eight and they took the top three and those people performed again. Um, and then everybody voted again just on those top three, which I think is better because then you actually can see like, okay, what are the favorites? And then people can decide between those as opposed to you having to decide between eight and then the votes get split in weird ways. And then a song like Mercy ends up at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm bitter. Well, it, it just feels, it feels slightly more fair to, okay, we've got it down from, we, we start with a larger field and get it down to, two or three entries, and then do another round of voting. It's a, it's a way of sort of doing ranked choice voting without actually doing ranked choice voting. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So the song that won is a song by Amaya and Alfred. It's called Tu Cancion, and it's a, it's a ballad duet. Let's take a listen. Ya no puedo Had you not told me it was a piano duet, I would have guessed that it was a, like it was going to be like a, a piano duet just from the title "Tu Cancion," your song. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, it was not. It was my least favorite of the top three. I I have to say, I think the top three that came out of the last eight. I think those were the right decisions. I think those were probably the best three songs of the last eight. There were more, and I didn't see. I didn't see whether the top eight were really the top eight, but yeah, I, I think that those were the the, the three best. Um, tu Cancion was not my favorite. Um, I really liked a song called Lo Malo, but it was a reggaeton song, and I'm pretty sure that would not have gone over well at Eurovision. We've seen what happens whenever you know you try to introduce something a little different that's not sort of your standard Euro pop or punk or rock. 
Yeah, but that would be so outside the norm for Spain that I think they would get some sort of credit for it. Or if, if anything, it's just like, well, nothing else we do works. Let's just throw this at the wall. We sent another mm. slow ballad and it didn't work. Yeah, well, we and- should send another slow ballad. Yeah, yeah especially of... one that sounds so much like last year's winner from Portugal. It's like, that was my right. first thought, too, was like, this sounds like the Portuguese entry, which seems like a bad idea to start with, because you don't want to vote for the same thing twice in a row. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know your life. <laughs> don't judge. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it... Look, last year's was lovely, but like, I want a different thing to win. Yeah, right. One of the things I really liked about um, Lo Malo was that it was a duet between two women, as opposed to sort of your standard, like, I mean, was the last time we saw a, a duet with two women? I mean, it would have been the um, sisters from Russia, right? Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. has it been that long? Well, yeah, there was the sisters from Russia. I was thinking all the way back to, like, Israel back in, like, 08, 09. Oh, sure, yeah. There was a duet between two women. Well, and, wow. yeah, and duets, I, I don't like duets at Eurovision because unless no, the two people have not. really good chemistry and they typically well, don't, right? Yeah, With, they're, they're tricky. Yeah, I was about to say, I, th- I remember like Romania has sent them, has sent the same duo a few times and like both of their duets just felt sort of like very thin scaffolding for some sort of visual component. Yeah. Such as a circular keyboard that is now a part of a tattoo. Yeah, such yeah. as a circular <laughs> keyboard that's part of Ryan's tattoo. That's correct. Or... Or like the one time where it's just like we have pianos that shoot off fireworks, which in in retrospect was very cool. But like the song was called Playing with Fire and it was basically a paint by numbers of okay, how can we cram a bunch of pyro into this? Hey, they got they got third place, so uh don't knock the pyrotechnics. <laughs> I I'm not not no, like it was at the time it was a very good entry, but also it's not a great duet. Yeah. Yeah, duets are just so tricky because it's just like if they're like true duets where there's like the going back and forth and like sort of a call and response type thing. That's one, uh, that's one thing. But if you have something like Verona from last year, where yes. it's two people with zero chemistry standing very far apart from each <laughs> yeah. other on standing stage. Standing at opposite and... ends of the stage and yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people were surprised that it didn't advance. There was, hmm. There's yeah. so much uh, like yeah. this. You can walk towards each other. Yeah, there, I mean, and there have been some good duets. Like, we had a duet from Azerbaijan when a few years ago. We had mm-hmm. the um, duet from the Netherlands with Waylon Jennings. and Or is that his name? No, just Waylon. Just Waylon. Yeah. Waylon Jennings with, is with this year's, with, with this year's uh, Dutch competitor. Yes. And, and another yeah. person. But yeah, so like, they, they can go very well, but I think yeah. there's usually, like, when they go well, there is much more of a mesh of voices. Yes. Oh, and, and what was the other really good... Um, was that the really good? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was Estonia a few years ago, where well, that one was like back and forth, but again, there was a sense of parody. Yeah, exactly, and and this is not, and, and the other thing about this particular, um, these particular two people is they're also really young, um, and I think I think this is going to go more the um, that chain of lights was that. Oh that, yeah, that was that was San Marino, San Marino, San Marino and the brief Valentina Minetta less period. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think I think it's going to go more, and that's that's actually when I heard them, I thought, oh, this kind of sounds like last year's winners, except it sounds like the two like young teenagers from Chain of Light singing last year's winner, which is not a good combination. I just I don't think they're going to do well. I don't think it's, it's a good. Pick. It is not a Reese's peanut butter cup situation. Correct. Speaking of not a Reese's peanut butter cup situation, <laughs> you got your Russia. Ukraine in my Russia. You got your Russia in my Ukraine. Everybody's mad. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, uh, Russia, a yeah. little let's, bit of a history lesson yeah, let's, last let's, year. Let's uh, jump back to the faraway year of 2017. <laughs> the place, Kiev. The news, Russia has picked a performer who picked on the Crimean Peninsula, which is a big no-no to Ukra- the Ukrainian public, who will not let her perform. The, the EBU quickly steps in and is like, okay, we've got, we've got it figured out. Uh, Russia, you can perform remotely, and that way you can still be part of the show. Uh, Russia immediately is like, nope. Ukraine's like, nope, we're not even broadcasting that. That quickly gets set aside. Russia is allowed to pull out. Uh, and Russia vows to send Yulia Samayova again. Can I, uh, add, can I add one thing to your history lesson? Please do. Yulia Samoylova, I don't know how to say her last name, is um, in a wheelchair. She is disabled. And I am pretty mm-hmm. sure that Russia picked her in particular knowing that Ukraine would throw a fit so that they could say, and, and they actually did say, basically, when Ukraine said, well, you can compete, or when the EBU said, what about competing remotely? Russia said, are you really going to treat this disabled woman like a second-class citizen? That was oh, yeah, to- oh, yeah. They to- I, I told, when they picked her last year, I was like, this is a very calculated move from an image perspective, and I do yes. not like it. Shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans everywhere. Fast forward to 2018. Uh, Russia has kept their word, which is great. They are sending Yulia Samoyova again. Uh, we're going to figure out what song she's singing in a few weeks, and hopefully it's better than the one they sent her in, in 2017. Like, that's part of the reason I, I did not like the optics of that situation, was because I thought the song was crappy. Anyways, uh, with today's semifinal allocation, uh, Russia and Ukraine are in the same semifinal again, which is going to be real fun. Yeah, and... Apparently, there may also be issues with broadcasting people. So the issue at hand is performers who have performed in Crimea. If they didn't enter Crimea by way of Ukraine, they end up on a blacklist where they are no longer allowed in Ukraine. And that's that's the situation here. And apparently the blacklist may also extend to just broadcasting people who are on the blacklist. Like it doesn't even matter if they're not physically in the country. Like if if you are on this blacklist, you cannot be uh, on Ukrainian airwaves. So that could cause problems down the road just because one of the provisions at Eurovision is all performances, regardless of political situations, must be televised. Well, yeah, like we had a situation a few years ago where Armenia declined to participate when Azerbaijan hosted for, I think, similar reasons as that they they were unwilling to broadcast one of the performers due to some geopolitical issues, and the EBU sort of gave them a chance to say, "Okay, we're not going to participate this year." Just and I think part of it was just also we they were fearing for like the safety of their performer in the country. Right. Yeah, there there, there were security issues, but I mean, Armenia went through like the processes and be like, "Okay, we're going to go." Yeah, you know, on second thought, maybe this isn't the best idea. Yeah, and we're, we're good. Just decide to take a break. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so part of me wonders. On the one hand, yes, good for Russia, because when they said, oh, well, we'll send Yulia again next year, I was like, no, they're not going to do that. But now I wonder, if there is a problem with broadcasting her image, is this Russia's way of saying, well, we're going to, you know, make make ourselves look good by actually staying true to our word, but also, is this a way to get Ukraine to step out of, to, to basically be disqualified or to leave the contest this year? Because if they don't broadcast her performance, they will get disqualified next year, or they can choose to step out this year and not broadcast it 
and suffer no penalty next year, but basically not compete this year. So is this Russia's backhanded way of getting back at Ukraine for last year? Interesting. But yeah, it, it, right now it's just one big game of chicken. Yep. And we're going to see who falls into the pool. I don't know if that's the, how the metaphor goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I sit here thinking about it, have I ever played the game chicken? No. That's, that's not how it works, man. <laughs> that's not Ben. That's not how many things work. Um, at the very least, that's not how Russia and Ukraine work. That's right. So that's going to be a whole big thing in a few weeks. We can talk about it then when it's a whole big thing. Yep. Another whole big thing that we could try and jump on now is, uh, so Mas- the, I was about to say Macedonia, but it's the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Mike, why is it the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia? <laughs> because I got yelled at on Twitter several years ago. No, um, so. <laughs> I think it was me that yelled at you. I, I think yeah, it, was, no. it was meant to joke. Oh, no, no, no. no it, was, it was where it was like, where you said something and I was like, no, it's the glorious former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Yeah, so uh, Eurovision is very particular about the names of countries. I, I believe the distinction is it's the name that a country goes by at United Nations, which is why it's Czech Republic instead of Czechia uh, at this point. Yeah. Although I don't know if that I don't know if that changeover is ever going to happen. See, that's more, uh, I feel like the whole Czechia thing is a is sort of a fetch situation. <laughs> yeah, Stop yeah. Like, to make it even, happen. even people in the where 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 the Czech Republic's come up with a cool new nickname for themselves, and it's like no, I. My friends call me Czechia. Like, no, no, we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw a story somewhere about how people in Czech Republic are just like, whatever. So, <laughs> not sure it's going to stick. Anyway, yeah, the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia formed after Yugoslavia was no longer a republic. So that's that's how the FYR part of the name works. And the the difficulty is the Macedonia region includes both the country. That is sometimes referred to as Macedonia. But then there's also a portion of Greece that is technically Macedonia, if you go back to the, like ancient sort of like Macedonia. A, it's sort of so. geographic Macedonia, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you refer to something as Macedonian, it could mean either the former Yugoslav Republic or it could mean the section of Greece. I think there may even be like a third section, but I'm. I'm I don't have a map in front of me, and this is already getting way too in the weeds. But uh, yeah, if you just refer to it as Macedonia, people on Twitter may get cranky and yell at you. And uh, since then, I have learned it, lived it, and loved it. <laughs> FYRM. So, <laughs> well, also, I just like the fact that like it gives me a chance to just say former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia at every possible opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly on Jeopardy. Like I have yelled at contestants, uh, like through my TV, the, as being the, like, "Nope, it's FYR, guys, guys it's the former Yugoslav Republic." <laughs> Have some respect. Anyways, Macedonian Radio and Television has launched a global search for its next Eurovision Song Contest entry. So goes the press release. Uh, if you're an interested songwriter uh, or a producer, you have until the 8th of February to submit an entry. So you've got like a week, weekish, that kind of area. Oh, no, two weeks, now that I think about it. You have, you have time to like pull your thoughts together, put pen to paper, and put together like a demo or like a final version just like a sketch of the song uh, and mail it into them. Uh, songs can be submitted either by email or by post. Uh, and they're, you know, it, you need to make sure that it's within the EBU eligibility rules, which means that you can't have written the song or performed it before September. But if that's all cool, if that's just gravy there, uh, you can, the, the broadcaster will find a suitable act to perform it. So 
which is great news for me as someone who has no former Yugoslavic Republic of Macedonian blood. Uh, it means that if I put my if I get my get my stuff in order and write something down that's three minutes and send it in and they like it, they can just find somebody else to sing it. Am I remembering correctly that it was the FYR Macedonia that sent Blackstreet a couple years ago as backup singers for their kind of terrible lead singer? Am I remembering this correctly? Yes, yes. Uh, that was uh, Autumn Leaves. Yes, uh, thank I, you. I don't recall that singer's Daniel name something. at the moment. But, but he was Macedonian. Yeah. Yeah, and like I really like that song. Um, Blackstreet didn't really add much to it, partly because I don't think that they knew that they were getting that gig until maybe thirty seconds before someone say, hit send they on just the press release. To be in the area, and somebody <laughs> shooed them into this arena, and next thing they knew, there was music. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. It was real weird. Is all I'm saying. So maybe, maybe Blackstreet could just go back and actually perform this time. Ooh. Anyways, if you would like to be the Macedonian entry for Eurovision, it sounds like they are they are welcoming songs at the moment. So get on that. Also, someone please tell Blackstreet is my point. If you yeah. if you have a way to get in touch with Blackstreet, please tell them. <laughs> or include in your submission, please send to Blackstreet. Yeah. We know you know their number. Exactly. Uh, as, as long as they haven't like blocked it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, we'll have a link to uh, that press release uh, in the show notes for this week's episode. Uh, and if you are actually going to uh, submit a song, uh, we'd love to talk to you about it and see what you come up with. Uh, yeah, we're we're <laughs> genuinely interested in seeing this happen. Uh, you, we we missed the boat on being part of San Marino's selection process. I really think that we can we can make Eurovision happen here. So <laughs> okay, so I think that does it for current status of entries. Uh, but it is a blazing weekend ahead in terms of stuff happening. Um, who who all do we have on the docket? Oh, goodness. We have Malta and Switzerland. Uh, they will be making their selections this weekend. Uh, Malta has their national final on Saturday, and Switzerland has their final on Sunday. Uh, and then we have a bunch of selection processes that are getting uh, underway. Uh, Latvia will be starting their supernova process Saturday, and Sweden will be starting their Melody Festivalen uh, also on Saturday. Yes, and yes, yeah, that one. That one's the gold standard. That one's, that one's the good one. Process. Mm -hmm. That, was, that yeah. one's the one where it's <laughs> worth watching all six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then next week, Denmark will be releasing their songs in preparation for uh, their national final, which will be the following weekend. And uh, United Kingdom, are they next week? I don't have the calendar. I want to say they are like the first full week of February. So not this weekend, but probably next weekend. And so the website Pop Justice, which we will link to in the notes, has a great rundown of the various entries floating around for this where they have ranked them from worst to least worst. And it it's it's very, very accurate. I kind of just want to, like, as we get closer to that, or like right before that, I really just want to drop a mini episode about why are these so bad? Uh, United Kingdom uh, chooses on February 7th. So yeah, we'll definitely have that mini episode in next week for UK. And if they'll figure their stuff just out. Cause... Yelling at the UK about what a bad job they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're... They seem to be trying or trying English to try. English is their first language. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, but we have talked several times about how lyrics are really not the point of Eurovision, right? Like, I, I feel like you, you almost have to have some lyrics that are a little bit wonky 
in order to really fully succeed at Eurovision, right? Like, if it's too but, perfect, it, no, that doesn't work. But I don't want it to be too perfect. Like, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I enjoy, like, like I, misused idioms or, like, just weird turns of phrase that aren't real turns of phrase. Yeah, just, just, exper- but, just experiencing some, a song where you, it's very clear that English is not their first language. Right. And, like, if it's grading on a curve or whatever, but, like, the UK lyrics are just so insipid. I don't know. I, I won't get into too much detail about it now since we'll be talking about it next week. But yeah, like, try harder, UK. Everyone did a bad job this week except for the Czech Republic. And mm-hmm. and they didn't do a great job. Let's, and they didn't I mean, do a great job. They did an okay but like, job. But if oh, disagree. But, but compared, to, <laughs> compared to France and Spain, which just think about what they've done. Yes. Go to your room, France and Spain. <laughs> and they better think about what they've done. <laughs> Examine your choices. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, I'm actually, I'm kind of excited for Latvia's process to start. Um, Aminata is, uh, has a song in the contest that she has written. And it's going to be hosted by Eust, who was the um, representative from Latvia two years ago. So I'll be excited about that. Yeah, that should be fun. It's coming up. A bunch of their songs are available on Spotify, and it's a really strong field this year. I'm, Latvia's really turned it around since they started using this Supernova for, format. Uh, this is the fourth year that they've done it. And like I used to be like totally anti-Latvia, and now I'm completely in their camp. So, <laughs> What was the song that they sang a few years ago that had like a keytar in it? Oh, it was like an uh, iPad keytar. Here we go. Here oh, we yeah, go. Yeah, and yes. stage dive. Like an and- yeah. Well, yeah. And I just remember that just that song just felt like you were sitting in Absence Pep Rally. Yes. Yeah. It was that was my favorite. It was a keytar, but like with an i with an iPad instead of the like yeah. keys. Yeah, that was amazing. I still I still appreciate that performance. Not the song. The performance. <laughs> no, the song was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'm going to throw that one into the show notes just to see like where Latvia has risen yeah. from. Did, like, just like that, that really was a low well, point. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but didn't they also send cake to bake? And that was also a pretty low note? Or am I misremembering? I kind of like that song. <laughs> that, that's kind of where it started to turn around. Yeah. For me. It's like, you know, it's not a great song, but, but it's better than when I they see what they're doing it's with better it. Better than when they sent that iPad keytar. Yeah, exactly. Like, you. you can't get any worse than keto <laughs> yeah the cake, uh, cake to bake was 2014 so that was the year before they started using supernova so yes the the only thing worse than the keytar is a keytar that's not that's made with an ipad <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of the euro what thanks for listening the euro what podcast is a production of what else is on tv our Eurovision News and Research Division specialists are Ryan Grizzell, Mike McComb, and Ben Smith. Follow our coverage of the 2018 Eurovision Song Contest at our website, eurovision.whatelseison.tv. You can also catch us on social media at EuroWhat on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on iTunes and Google Play. While you add the subscription, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We'll be back with more Eurovision updates next week.